Good morning, church. Uh, before I jump in, I just want to say thank you for all your prayers and all your messages and everything. Just to give you a quick update, uh, my wife is recovering phenomenally. Uh, Luca is doing fantastic. He's already gained like nine ounces and doing really good. Um, so just keep praying for us. And, and our, I think I'm on two and a half hours today. So, uh, But this is where God is, is so grateful or faithful in everything that he does. Uh, a number of weeks ago, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Troy Davis, who used to be the DYD in North Carolina and now is currently working for the video organization that you saw right there, Convoy of Hope, uh, he contacted me and said, hey, I'm going to be in town uh, that weekend. I want to see if you want to get together. And I'm like, how about even better, you come and speak for me because I'm pretty sure I'm going to be half dead once my kid is born and so that would be fantastic and so he graciously agreed and uh, I just want to give you a quick idea uh, if you if this is the first time you're hearing about Convoy of Hope uh, this is something that uh, or an organization that we've partnered with in the past specifically last year if you were with us you remember we had a phenomenal day we called pack and pray where we got a semi truck from Convoy of Hope full of uh, food that we then packed together and distributed to our community we gave out about 1100 bags of groceries to people within our community. We got rid of everything within an hour and a half. And the beauty of that day, I was just talking to Troy about this yesterday, the thing that really gripped my heart was uh, it wasn't like the best of food but there was such emotion behind receiving it. The people who were getting it, literal tears in their eyes and, and couldn't stop thanking us. And, uh, and this this moment where we're like, no, it's fine. Like we just, we want to do this. We want to bless you. But you never know how much it means to the person receiving what you're giving, no matter what it is that you're giving. And uh, as we were talking, Troy, and I say he's going to steal some of this. So I'm going to say this first. Um, just out of, you know, Holy Spirit for sure. But I just remember we were kind of talking about how a lot of people, uh, they don't want to be compassionate. They want to make sure, hey, everything we do has to end in a conversion. And I'm like, sometimes compassion comes before conversion. Sometimes an act of kindness opens the door to the gospel in somebody's heart. And we might be just the act of kindness and we might be just the one that plants a seed and somebody else will come and water and somebody else will come and cultivate and somebody else will come and reap the harvest because we're all part of that process. Ultimately, God gets the glory, amen? And so with this opportunity, uh, we're going to do that event again this year in the fall, but uh, I thought it'd be a fantastic opportunity to have Troy come up here, represent Convoy of Hope, and let you know why this is so important for us. So would you do me a favor, Belmont, would you give it up for our guest today, Troy Davis? Wow, it's so good to be with you in the house of the Lord this morning. You agree with me? Say amen. Uh, I have known Pastor Joey for five, six years now, back in the youth ministry days. So um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you today. So I'm coming with a warning label. So um, first of all, we're, I'm just going to say that was collaborative. That was a collaborative idea. Yeah, so yeah, he said it first, but he did say it first. I was, I was like, oh, that's good. I'm going to use that. Um, I won't use it today, though. I'll let you, but later on. <laughs> Later on, because <laughs> you know, you know, you say what you, when you're preaching, you'll say, "Well, my friend said this, or somebody said this," and the next time you, "Well, I heard it said this," and by the third time you say it, you say it, right? <laughs> so, but it is good to be with you guys today. But I just come with a disclaimer: uh, I came to disrupt your day. So you'll have to forgive me if I get a little emotional. 
God woke me up at five o'clock this morning. I told Joey, I said, I don't know if it was the food last night or if it was the Lord, but <laughs> I'm going to be spiritual this morning and say it was the Lord. But I got up this morning and God just started burdening on my heart for this service. And God wants to disrupt your normal. A year ago, again, I knew Joy from the youth ministry days and I was, I was living the DYD life. And DYD stands for district youth director. I was the state youth director over the whole state of North Carolina. I was traveling, I was speaking, I was going on trips. Uh, God was blessing, like the favor of God. I mean, we were raising money for missions. Last year, we raised over a half a million dollars for missions in our state through Speed the Light. And it was just an amazing, and I know you guys are huge Speed the Light givers here. So thank you for that. Continue to do that. Continue to pour into that ministry. But uh, about a year ago, God disrupted my life. And God put us on this journey that we're on now. And my wife now works for the national office. She works in the youth ministry department. She is over fine arts. And so when she got the call to come to Springfield, I started praying, okay, Lord, what about me? And I don't know if you've ever been there and you've ever had those prayers. Okay, Lord, what about me? But God said, listen, I've had something in the plan for you from the beginning. And so last year, God disrupted my life. He disrupted my routine. He disrupted my normal. And he said, I want you to be a voice for compassion. I want you to travel not only the state, but I want you to travel the nation and the world and preach on my compassion. Because compassion comes before conversion. See, I heard a friend that said that. So this morning, first of all, thank you, Pastor Joey. Thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for your staff. We, were, we went out yesterday to the youth uh, retreat, and it was amazing. The energy there, the kids, uh, the leadership that was there. And we talked about this together yesterday, too, because I was in youth ministry for over 20 years, and we talked about the longevity and the fruit that you see and, and how Pastor Joey was just talking about some of the, going through some of the leaders and how they were raised up in this church and how this church, not because of him, but because of God, this church has discipled those, those leaders that were students, and they're continuing to do that. And it was just a joy to be there and to see God moving in your teenagers. So... I would say this, be ready. Uh, when they come back, be ready. Because they're fired up. They're ready. God, is, I've already heard some things this morning. And God has performed some miracles at that retreat this weekend. And God wants to do the same thing in this room today. This is the good news. You don't have to wait till the youth come back. It's here this morning. God's presence is in this house today. Can you say amen? I'm going to testify real quick. I won't, I'll just say God touched me. Can I just tell you God touched me right there on the front row this morning? I had back surgery like eight years ago. I'm not going to say God healed my back because I, I had back surgery. It, I had back surgery. I don't have disc where I used to have disc. So every once in a while it'll hurt. I had that pain that just shoots from the, the nerve. 
And so here I am this morning at worship and I'm just praying and, and it was hurting, you know, it's been hurting all weekend and travel. And I was just like, okay, Lord, I've got, I've got painkillers that are in my bag right now in the office, prescription for my back. And I was like, okay, Lord, I can either go take it, go take one and make it through these two services and be on my feet or you can touch me. And you know what? God touched me right there. God is in this house. God is here today and you are here today because God wants to disrupt your normal. Amen? Amen. God disrupted another man's life. And I'm gonna give you a quick history of Convoy and I'm gonna do the Convoy and I want to talk about Convoy because Convoy is is why I'm here. But in that, wrapped up in that, is the whole story of how God disrupts our life. So back in 1994, a man named Hal Donaldson was also on a journey. And God disrupted his life. He's the founder of Convoy of Hope. And in 1994, he took a trip overseas. He was a journalist. And he had some things that happened in his life early on as a child, and I won't go through all those things for time's sake. Uh, but he had some traumatic things. He lost his father in a car accident, instantly killed by a drunk driver. Mom was injured. He lived in a foster home for a year. And so after that period, they grew up in poverty all their life, grew up on welfare and food stamps. And he was determined to break the cycle of poverty in his own life. So he studied hard. He was a smart kid, did great in high school, went on to college and became a journalist. And so he was on his journey. He was on his path. He had left that behind. He had left not his family behind, but left that mentality. He had broke the cycle of poverty over his life and God was moving. God was, he was on a good track. And God came in and disrupted his life. And in 1994, his job, he was interviewing Mother Teresa. He went over to Calcutta. He was writing an autobiography for somebody and he had a, the opportunity to sit down with Mother Teresa and the interviewer. So he goes through the whole interview with Mother Teresa and at the end of the interview, Mother Teresa says, you know, you've asked me all these questions. Now, may I ask you a question? He said, I mean, absolutely. Who's gonna say no to Mother Teresa? <laughs> so he said, yeah, go ahead. And She asked him this simple question that changed the trajectory of his life. She said, what are you doing for the poor and suffering? And at that moment, he couldn't answer it. Because number one, you don't tell Mother Teresa no. And number two, you don't lie to Mother Teresa. So he could not answer that question. What was he doing for the poor and suffering? So he left that interview that day wrestling with the question. He got on the plane and he flew hours to get home. And when he got home, he wrestled that question the whole way home. And he remembered the call. God or God reminded him of the call that was put on his life as a child. Because the same act of kindness, the same type of ministry that was poured out on him, one act of kindness is people bringing groceries to their door when he was a child and they were living off welfare and food stamps. God said, I want you to go buy $600 worth of groceries and I want you to go feed the poor. So that weekend when he got home from Calcutta, that interview, he got in his pickup truck, he went to the store, bought $600 worth of groceries, loaded his truck and went to the poorest communities in his neighborhood and started passing out groceries. In 1994, that's how Convoy of Hope started. That's how the fleet of trucks, that's on the screen, there's a picture of a truck, There's over 30 to 40 of those trucks now 
in Springfield, Missouri is where we're based out of, is where I flew in from. And it's, it, it started out of the back of a pickup truck. And one man that was, that was disrupted. And God came in and said, I'm going to disrupt your life because I've got another call for you. And God today, he wants to disrupt somebody's life in here today. And he wants to set you on a new path. And he wants to pour the Holy Spirit into you. And he wants to heal you. He wants to touch you. He wants to do all those things. In 1994, it started with that. And 29 years later, that's what it's become. 29 years later. We just celebrated our 29th birthday last year. This year will be 30. I think they're doing a big... We actually are moving into a brand new world distribution center in October. And they are uh, doing all the prep for that. We're going to be dedicating the building. Uh, and this is the miracle right here. $43 million building debt free. Come on. Come on. That's Jesus. Come on, when you have a heart for the poor and suffering and your ministry is geared to the poor and suffering, guess what? God pours out some resources. It's just fact. I mean, read story after story in the Bible. When you give, God says what? I will, what? Give back to you, press down, shaking over and overflowing in your life. Listen, it's a fact. When you have a heart to give, when you have a heart of compassion, God pours out on you to reach the kingdom. Not for you, not for you, but for him. 29 years later, Convoy is what it is today. And we're celebrating our 30th year this year by moving into a new, new building, a new facility. Paid for property, paid for property, over $43 million that God has provided. And not one dollar, listen to this, not one dollar has come from programming. Not one dollar was taken from our children's feeding program. Not one dollar was taken away from disaster relief. Not one dollar was taken away from our women's empowerment program, which you'll hear a little bit about coming up. Not one dollar, but God miraculously provided for that building. It's amazing what God will do when you obey and trust and follow him. Amen? We had hit a big milestone uh, last year. I think there's a slide that shows our our milestones for last year, 29 years, our recent statistics right there. 200 million people served since 1994. $2 billion worth of food and supplies. Part of that was what you guys did last year by doing a a pack and pray. I love that idea. I love that terminology, pack and pray. We're, We're not only packing food and giving food, but we're praying for our community. I love that. And you can see the stats. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just follow through a little bit and talk about what God is doing. But with Convoy, this is, this is the cool thing with Convoy is you get to be a part of it. You are a part of it. You saw the video. Kindness starts with you. Convoy would not exist without churches just like you. That, that give, that support, that believe in the mission of Convoy. And today, Convoy has a driving passion to feed the world and together, Together, we are ending the cycle of physical and spiritual poverty, and you're helping us do that because we're doing it together. But can I be candid with you today? Can I just just disrupt you a little bit today? There's more to do. There's so much more to do. We are not done yet. For the first time in 20 years, the percentage of the world's population living in poverty has increased. And that increase represents another 119 million people today living in hunger. We are not done yet. 
We are far from it. Poverty is not static. Poverty is dynamic. But in all this, God is still at work and the church is at the center of it all. Because God brings revival through his church and together we can make a difference. Convoy brings hope to the hopeless. We bring light to the darkest places in the world. And I believe that God is stirring the church in these moments, in these last days. God is not only stirring up a revival that's taking place, and we're seeing it in pockets all over the country right now. God is not only stirring up revival, and we're seeing healings, and we're seeing salvations, but God is also stirring up a movement of compassion. And I believe that that's a part of the awakening that's taking place today, especially in this younger generation coming up. Barna did a study and they asked 13,000 teenagers this question. 35% of those teenagers that were asked said this, that they would prefer to attend a church that was focused on what? Compassion. Because this generation, more than any other generation, wants to make a difference. And we get to be a part of that. We get to steward that as a church. We get to steward that as a church. And we get to lead and guide them and cheer them on as they, as they lead that. Today, through our children's feeding programs, we feed over 500 and now 33,000 kids on a regular basis. And we're not done yet. Our goal by 2030 is to feed 1 million kids on a regular basis. You say, how do we feed them? We feed them through the local feeding programs. We develop feeding programs at the local school because we don't want to just hand out a free meal. Because we understand that if that kid wants to eat a meal, that may be the only hot meal that they get that day. And you know where they get it from? The school. And when they get it from the school, guess what else they get? An education. And when they get an education, guess what else they get? Better jobs. And when they get better jobs, they begin to break that cycle of poverty. One thing I love about Convoy of Hope, it's, it's, it's about sustainability. It's not about a handout. It's about we want to break the cycle. And the only way we break the cycle is by reaching this generation and the next generation and the next generation. And so we do this in his name. We do all this in his name. There's a picture of a young lady on the screen. Her name is Rosemary. And whenever I came to uh, Convoy of Hope, there's a picture of a little girl, if you'll put that on the screen real quick. Um, really cute, curly-haired girl. There she is. There's a picture of uh, her. Her name is Rosemary. And Rosemary is one of the children now that's in our feeding programs in Honduras. But before she learned how, uh, learned about the feeding programs where she found hope and she learned about Jesus through our programs, she also learned something else. This little girl had memorized what days the garbage trucks would take the dump out so she could scavenge through fresh trash. She said this, and I quote, she said, uh, I used to get happy whenever the airport's garbage truck uh, would come to the landfill. They would always bring plenty of leftovers like chicken and sodas without any worms in it. Because of our feeding programs today, young boys and girls like Rosemary don't have to dig through garbage anymore. Because they're given a meal. And because they're given a meal, their heart and their ears are open to the gospel and they're finding the hope of Jesus Christ. Because we don't just feed them physically, but we're also feeding them spiritually. Amen? And on behalf of 500 plus children today across the world, I say thank you. 
Thank you for your partnership. Thank you for every time you guys take an offering up for Convoy. Thank you for every time you, take a, you, you give monthly to Convoy. Thank you for what you're doing. Mother Teresa said this, one person cannot do everything, but everyone can do something. When you look at the need, the need is overwhelming. When you look at the world today and you look at the statistics of poverty, it's overwhelming. But I look to that quote, one person, not one person can do everything, but everyone can do something. Since uh, in 2022, last year, we empowered over 35,000 women. A lot of people know Convoy of Hope for our disaster relief. We are boots on the ground. We are first responders. And we're known for that, well known for that. But what sometimes people don't know are the other things that we do. Our children's feeding programs, our women's empowerment programs. Of those who live in poverty, 70% are women. They're uneducated, they're abused, they're forgotten, they're overlooked simply because of their gender. And at Convoy, we say, we see you. We see you. We come alongside young girls who have been regulated to nothing more than carrying water. I went to Africa, I was privileged to go to Africa last year uh, or a year and a half ago on a missions trip. And I watched and found out and watched this happen that the average woman in Africa spends four hours a day fetching water. An additional two hours a day looking for firewood to boil the water to kill parasites so they could stay alive for just a few more days. This is the reality that they live in. And I came to disrupt your reality today because this is their reality. And you know what? God is not okay with this. And I don't think the church should be okay with it either. I don't think we should be okay with it either. We take young girls and we educate them. We disciple them. We, we teach them how to read. And oftentimes we're teaching them how to read by memorizing scripture. And they're introduced to freedom and their dignity. And it's something that they'll never forget. And we do all this in his name. In his name. And when hopelessness abounds and people do unspeakable things, a father in India, a father in India sells his oldest daughter to buy food for the rest of the family. This is the reality that they live in. When you go to Brazil and Colombia, you walk through refugee camps filled with Venezuelans and you notice the trend that the women have shaved their heads. Why? Because they're selling their hair to buy food. And God is not okay with this. And on behalf of 35,000 plus women that have been empowered, just in the 22, 2022, I say thank you. And we trained farmers for agriculture. 23,000 plus farmers were trained last year in agriculture. And we give them uh, seeds and training and tools and education so we can help the local farmers learn how to increase their harvest, improve their yields, and create income for their family. And we do this in some of the, some of the, the, the vast countries uh, in Africa and throughout the world. And we do it in his name. Amen. And finally, what we're known for is disaster. Hope makes it happen in disaster. I was at a church in Michigan a month ago speaking and at the end of service, uh, a young man came up to me with tears in his eyes, and this man introduced himself. He said, hey, you don't know me. My name's David. He said, I just want to thank you for all you do. And as he was talking about thanking me, he just started, tears started welling up. 
And he said, my aunt doesn't know the Lord. And he said, when the hurricane hit Fort Myers, it wiped out her whole neighborhood. He said her house was destroyed and she had nothing. She said one day a truck pulled up that had men in it and women in it that had Convoy of Hope t-shirts on and that passed out food, water, clothing, tarps, and whatever was needed. They got out of the truck with chainsaws and they started cleaning up yard and sticks and, and picking up and started cleaning up debris. And as they started doing that, he said his aunt was touched because she said, for the first time, I saw the church in action. Amen. See, we're great about church on Sunday, but I don't know about Monday. Mm. We're good about church on Sunday night and on Wednesday night, mm, but I don't know about Friday. Friday's my day. Saturday's my day. Don't mess with my day. Sunday's your day. Saturday's my day. Sometimes we had the church as a whole has that attitude. And I'm here to tell you that God's here to disrupt your day with compassion. Today we're responding to deadly tornadoes that ripped through Mississippi, Oklahoma, Illinois, all over. Every time you hear about a disaster, bet this, convoy is on the way. Convoy is on the way. And we not only do it in our own backyard, but we do it across the world. In Ukraine today, since the war broke out in Ukraine, we have served over 2.7 million individuals in Ukraine. We've given over 27 million meals to people and to refugees in Ukraine. We've given 23,000 baby care kits in Ukraine, 250,000 hygiene kits. We've given away 28,000 blankets. We've given away uh, 1 million pounds of clothing to those in Ukraine that have been devastated by war. In Turkey, when the earthquake hit, those the latest numbers that I have, and they're already outdated, 33,000 individuals have been served in Turkey. 420,000 meals distributed. And we do all this in his name. We do it in his name. Not in Convoy's name, not in my name, not even in Hal Donaldson's name. We do it in Jesus Christ's name. Because the kingdom of God, if I've learned one thing over the years of serving him, the kingdom of God and the early church, when you look at the book of Acts and you look how the early church was planted and how revival came in Acts chapter two and you keep reading through that story and how the early church was birthed and how they met from house to house, oftentimes we, 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 we skip over, we miss one thing in there and it says that they, they did what? They sold everything that they had and what? Met the needs of those who were in need. I told the church this last week, I said, don't get nervous. Don't go sell your cars and your houses. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this, that the kingdom of God in the early church was not about having more, it was about giving more. Do you hear me? The kingdom of God is not about having more. It's about giving more. It's about giving more of yourself. It's about giving more of your time. It's about giving more of your, your resources to help those that are in need. William Seymour, the man at the beginning of Azusa Street said this. When all the miracles and all the healings and everything was breaking out in Azusa Street, he said, and I quote, I can tell when someone is full of the Holy Spirit and in power when they love their neighbor. He didn't say, I can tell when they're full of the Spirit when they're speaking in tongues. He didn't say, I can tell they're full of the Spirit when they dance around. I can tell they're full of the Spirit when they worship good and when they can play an instrument good. No, he said, I can tell when someone's full of the Holy Spirit when they love their neighbor. So today, 
church, I challenge you to love your neighbor. To love your neighbor. Hope starts with the church. Hope starts with you. And hope has a compound effect. And hope makes it happen. In the the days after Jesus' resurrection, in the days after, we're two weeks now past Easter, and in, in the days after that, we know that Jesus walked and he, and he was on the earth for about 40 days, and, and then the ascension took place. But what was happening in the time between the resurrection and the ascension? What was happening in those days? We see a story about Peter. John chapter 21, we see a story about Peter, and Jesus shows up on a beach one morning. And Peter's fishing. Peter's out fishing. Peter went back to doing what he knew what to do. He went back to his comfort zone. He went back to doing what he he knew he could make a living doing. He was out fishing. And Jesus shows up at the beach one day. And we all know the story. For time's sake, I won't read the story. We know the story. Jesus shows up. And the miraculous takes place. Jesus asked him, hey, have you caught any fish tonight? And of course they say, no, we haven't caught anything. And Jesus says, well, cast your net on the other side, which is crazy because they've been fishing all night. Surely they cast their net right there. Surely they've been all over the place. But they do it and immediately the miraculous takes place and they recognize, oh, this is Jesus. Jesus disrupts their fishing trip. Peter recognizes it's Jesus. He jumps out of the boat and he swims towards Jesus. And so we have the whole conversation. We have the whole story, the whole context that takes place with Jesus having breakfast at the fire with Peter and some of the other disciples and they're sitting there. And Peter's sitting there and he he hadn't had the conversation yet. So how awkward must, must that be? Like they already know Jesus is risen. Jesus is there. And he's sitting there, he starts to have the conversation with Peter. And he asks the questions, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And of course we know Peter's response. Peter's like, yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. And Jesus says this. He says, feed my sheep. One version, it says, feed my lambs. And another version, feed my lambs. When I look at that scripture, I look at it and I'm like, you know what, Jesus? Because we often, as theologians, we often say, why did he ask him three times? Is it because he denied him three times? Is why, you know, I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But this is what I do know, that when Jesus, when, when you use that statement, feed my, my lambs, lambs is referring to a young, young sheep the children and oftentimes we we have a we have an easy time having compassion on the children but not adults right we have a lot of grace for children but not much for adults and Jesus is telling Peter he's like listen you know what feed my lambs my people are lost my people are lost and you need to have compassion on them and you need to see them the way I see them and so I'm asking you to feed my lambs 
Then he goes on again and he asks Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, of course I love you. I've already said this, I love you. And what's, what's, what's his response there? What's his response there? Simon says, you know I love you. Jesus answered and said then, take care of my sheep. And then all of a sudden the verbiage is different. One is feed, one's take care. Well, what's the difference? I believe one's about compassion and one's about action. See, because without action, there's no compassion. You can say that you're compassionate towards a need, but there's no action that backs it up, then you're not really compassionate. You may have pity, you may have empathy, you may have sympathy, but you're not compassionate. Because godly compassion leads to action. And Jesus was, was telling Peter, Peter, do you, do you love me? Okay, have compassion for my people. Peter, do you love me? Okay, now take action. Take action and do something about it and take care of my sheep. And then he asked him one more time, Peter, do you love me? And at that time, you, we know the story again. Peter's agitated. Peter's like, Lord, you know I love you. I've already told you this twice. You know I love you. And Jesus says, and feed my sheep. Feed my lambs on the screen, but other, other translations turns it says, feed my sheep. So it's feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. So we not only have to have compassion, what I believe God is saying, listen, you don't, it's not just about compassion, you have to have action that follows that. And then it's not just about action, but now it's about investment. It's about investment. How are we investing in those that are lost and hurting around us? Make an investment in your time and your resources. Make an investment in what God is calling you to action to do. And be compassionate about those that are lost and dying around us. There's a lost and hurting world outside these doors. You drive down these streets every day and you see people that are lost. You work with people that are lost. You work with people that are hurting. And all they need is someone to show compassion. All they need is someone to step up and say, I'll do something about it. The two greatest commandments in the Bible, there's another story, and I won't take long on this because I'm running out of time. But the two greatest commandments in the Bible, a teacher stepped up and he asked Jesus, he said, what's the greatest commandment, teacher? And they were asking him to test him, right? And Jesus said, well, the great, two greatest commandments boils down to this. Love God with all your mind, soul, heart, spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. We can go through all the commandments. We can follow all the rules. But if we don't hit those two, because everything else hinges on those two. And God even helped us. Like there's over 600 commandments in the Old Testament. There's no way we could follow every commandment. Like I don't remember three things from yesterday. Like there's no way we can keep up with that much. And God even simplified it. And so he gave Moses the 10, right? So he went from 600 to 10. And even in the 10 commandments, God says the greatest of these are two. Everything else hinges on those two. Love God, love people. Because when you love God with all your heart, your strength, your mind, your will, everything within you, guess what? The loving people should be natural. The loving people should be natural. 
So when we talk about loving your neighbor, loving your neighbor, it should be natural. And Jesus, you know, as we all do, sometimes we want to justify it. How many of you have teenagers in the room? Teenagers in the room? Make sure you pick them up today at what time? (laughs) 3.15. But how many of you know that teenagers love to justify stuff? I mean, I've got a 24-year-old teenager right now. Still a teenager. They, they grow them a little different now. Be ready. You see, you think they're going to be gone at 18. Be ready. Just save up. But they always want to justify everything. Like you're trying to help them, trying to get them good, solid advice, right? Like, do this. Why? Well, because, you know, you, you kind of need to clean your room at least once a month. Well, why? Well, you know, because you may find something under there that shouldn't be under there. You know, you may. I mean, one time, literally, okay, I'm, I know my son doesn't watch me, so I can tell on him all the time because he doesn't, he doesn't watch me anyway. But one time we looked under his bed. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever looked under your teenager's bed? I just warn you. <laughs> just warn you. It ain't, it ain't pretty. <laughs> But there's so much stuff under there. So it's like, Jeremiah, clean your room. Why? Because there may be other stuff growing under there. They always want to justify why. And so here's the teacher. Here's the teacher. He tries to justify. He's like, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? God, I got this. I'm following all the commandments, Lord. I'm showing up at church every Sunday. I'm paying my tithes. I'm even going to grow classes. Come on, somebody. But who's my neighbor? Oh, you mean I got to do something extra? Oh, you mean I got to have compassion? Oh, you mean I got to do something? You mean I need to invest in missions? Because there's ties plus plus. Because ties is not yours anyway. Let's just get that straight. Ties don't belong to you anyway. But the offerings and the alms, the offerings and the alms, plus, plus. I didn't understand that lingo, you know, until I got older and I got a job and they were like, well, you get this plus, plus. Or you get this minus, minus. I like the plus, plus much better. (laughs) And so Jesus starts to tell them the story of the Good Samaritan, right? So Jesus is walking, uh, or or he's telling the story of the Good Samaritan. He says there's a, a man one day that was broke, that was hurting, that was wounded, that was left for dead on the side of the road. And the Bible says that a priest came by one day and the priest helped him. Right? No. The priest stepped aside. The priest was like, no, not today. I'm busy. I got things to do. I got places to be. I got people to pray for. I got to go. I got, I got prayer meetings to go to. I got Bible studies to be at. I ain't got time to help you. And then the story goes on and the next guy that walks by him was a what? A Levite. Which the Levite was the assistant to the priest. So he should know better too, right? He should have been trained. So the Levite does what? The Levite says, oh, no, I ain't got time for you. I got to go clean the temple. I got to go get the house ready. We got guests coming. We got to make sure everything's set up right. I don't have time to meet your need. And they walk by. And then the Bible says that a Samaritan walks by. 
And if you know the word and you know the scripture, you know the Samaritans were, were the outcasts. Samaritans were those that, that the Israelites looked at as second-class citizens. As a matter of fact, they actually looked at them as not even being Christians and Christ followers. And so here's a Samaritan that walks by, and guess what? The Samaritan stops. And the, the Samaritan sees the need. The Samaritan not only sees the need, he has compassion on the need. He walks over to the man that's broken, that's bruised, that's hurting, that's wounded, and he binds him up. He begins to take care of him. What did Jesus tell Peter to do? What? Take care of my sheep. So here's a Samaritan, and he's taking care of the sheep. He's taking care of God's children. He's taking care of those that are broken, that are less than, that are wounded and left for dead. So his compassion turns into action. He begins to bind up his wounds. And he puts him on his horse, his donkey, his camel, whatever he had. And he takes him to the inn. And he tells the innkeeper, he says, hey, take care of him. And whatever he spends, he says, I'll pay for it. So compassion turned into action. And action turned into investment. So he went to the innkeeper. He said, hey, you pay for it. Oh, and by the way, I'm coming back. And whatever he owes you, I'm going to pay back. Can I tell you what that, the story, what that story is? It's the story of us. Every one of us was broken. We're wounded. We're hurt. And we're on the side of the road. And Jesus stopped. Jesus stopped. Can I have the worship team come up? Every one of us were broken. Maybe you're in this room today and, and you're hurting. Maybe you're in this room today and you need a miracle. Maybe you're in this room today and you need a financial miracle. Or, or maybe you're in this room today and you have a prodigal son or daughter and you're hurting. During worship, the worship leader talked about prodigals. And this morning when I was driving to church, I was listening to worship and praying about the service. And I remember those teenagers that I used to use pastor. And one of the teenagers I used to use pastor she led worship. She was a leader. She had struggles. She struggled, but she was amazingly gifted and called. Because when she led worship, let me tell you, man, God fell. And I don't know why I was thinking about that this morning. Maybe because we were at a retreat yesterday. A song came on. I was talking about a child of God. You know that song? I am a child of God. She led that song at the retreat. She led it many times, but I remember when she led it at the retreat. And when she led it at the retreat, something broke. But when I left and things, you know, she grew up, she got older. She's one of those prodigals. 
so this morning I was praying for her because she's walked away from the Lord. She's living a lifestyle that's not pleasing to the Lord. And so she was on my mind when that song came on. I just started praying for her in the car on the way over here. And I just texted her. I just told her, I said, hey girl, thinking about you this morning, headed to church, headed to speak somewhere, praying, listening to this song, praying for the service today, and I heard this song come on, I said, I just thought about you. And I said, I just want to tell you this morning that I love you. I said, but more importantly, God loves you. See, we have to have more than just empathy and sympathy. We have to be willing to say, you know what? I don't care if it's ugly. I'm going to pick it up. I'm going to bind it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love it. I'm going to care for it. Because Jesus saw us one day broken, wounded, hurting on the side of the road. And he picked us up. And when I was 18 years old, God disrupted my life at 18. We were talking about, I didn't share my testimony with Joey, but I know Joey's testimony. A little bit different than mine. I was broke. I was that broke kid, man. I was hurt. But God picked me up. He disrupted my life at 18. And in, in, this, in, in the past, he's disrupted my life a lot since then. <laughs> so let me, let me just tell you, get used to it. <laughs> Because Jesus wants to show up at your beach. Jesus wants to show up at your fishing trip. Jesus wants to show up whenever you're in your lowest time and say, I'm here. And I'm paying for your sin. I'm paying for your debt. And guess what? I'm coming back. Come on. Come on, somebody. He's coming back. He's coming back for us. And he said, listen, innkeeper, when I come back, I'm not only paying for what he did, but I'm going to pay for what he's going to do. Oh, come on, y'all get that. I'm going to pay for what he's going to do, and I'm going to take care of it because I'm a Savior. I'm Jesus. I came. I died. I was resurrected. And now I reign forever in eternity. And that's my child. So when you get a compassion for the Lord, when you get a godly compassion in your life, it's more than just a, a sympathy, empathy. It takes, it, it rolls into action and action turns into investment and investment, guess what, grows. Oh, come on. Come on, investment grows. Grows. And you may not see a harvest today. You may not see a harvest tomorrow, but guess what? That harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. Your miracle is coming. Stand to your feet this morning. Come on.